Show number two of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. This is LT, Lena Taylor. And this is JK, Jungle Kitty. And welcome to our podcast. Look at his butt! Thank you so much for coming to listen to our second ever show. We are so excited. After our show last week, we had thousands of emails, thousands upon thousands of emails sent to us saying how much they like the show. Millions of people worldwide listening to our show. In fact, my computer just, just blew up and crashed over all the emails we were getting. It was amazing. So was. we want to say um, thank you to everybody who listened. We are definitely aiming at world domination, and we'll get there. And, you know, you can send us email, and we'll read it. There will be millions right. of others, but we'll read yours. <laughs> That's our pledge to you that personally. Is, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, speaking of people communicating with us, we do have something to share with you, which we hope you'll find amusing. Uh, yeah, this showed up in my guest book. Um, it had nothing to do with the podcast, ironically enough. It had to do with a person um, being upset by my, my fan fiction and went to a lot of trouble to leave this entry in my guest book, ironically, on my birthday. So that was uh, that was kind of my, my first thing in the morning birthday <laughs> surprise. And actually, it was one of the, the more fun surprises because it made me laugh so hard. And I do want to share this, and I'm, I'm going to point out some of the more interesting aspects of this that you can't get just from me reading it. Anyway, <laughs> this is in the guest book of my fan fiction website, which is www.invisibleplanets.com. And it is still there. If you want to go read it for yourself and click guest book, because I found it so entertaining, I figured why shouldn't others. This is from a person named John D. Lehow. And here's what John has to say to me. You are the absolute epitome. Now, I'm going to point out John's spelling here, E-P-I-T-A-M-Y, of all that resembles bad spelling and poor grammar. I fully believe that you are the essence of stupidity, rolled into a shell of a human and shat out by a demon of insanity. While your stories not only lack clarity but coherent C-O-H-E-R-A-N-T, thought, and the obscure usage of the word, and now in, in um, single apostrophes we have asterisk, 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 and that is a very obscure word because I don't even know how that's pronounced, and I'm pretty sure I have never used that word. It simply goes to show what the Internet can do to ruin anyone's spelling. Oh, yeah, blame this on the Internet, John. Blame everything on the Internet. That's right. Even the spelling of main characters such as Kirk, in which you spelled it K-U-R-K, and preceded, now he not only misspells this, but that's the wrong word, but he got preceded into a later sentence to even spell it K-R-U-K. Now this is where I caught on that John has no sense of humor, because he obviously read my rude person story, where rude person, the point of it is the bad spelling, or one of the many points of rude person. So, okay, he's a humorless dork. He goes on to tell me, people like you are the reason the Internet is so looked down upon. 
Yeah. Because you are the kind of person that would use letters such as U and R to mean words like you and R. Oh, my God, that is such a crime. Slap my hand. If you have any sense of decency, you will remove this filth from the Internet immediately without any feeling of restitude or remorse. Okay, I looked. Restitude isn't even a word, so I doubt I could have a feeling of restitude. Then he says, please feel free to email me if you'd like more suggestions. Right. And he signs it, regards, that's so classy, John Lee Howe, CEO, Wootware International, and the website is www.wootware.com. Okay, this is the CEO of some international company that actually has a website, but he has time to send this to me at 1021 in the morning on a Wednesday. So I go check out this website. It's just some Dorco college student. And anyway, I just wanted to share that because I found it really funny, and for a while I even considered using as my SIG, Jungle Kitty, the essence of stupidity, rolled into a shell of a human, and shat out by a demon of insanity. So I figured that'll scare off the spam bots if nothing else does. So thanks, John. That was lots of fun. Yay, restitude. <laughs> restitude. I'll let you know if I start feeling any. If I get any strange feelings during this podcast, maybe we can just tack those up to restitude. That is truly funny. Um, at this point, I, I want to pause and say uh, we're actually doing this podcast via Skype and, and recording it that way. And I know that there may be some weird things happening with the audio. So uh, we apologize in advance for that if you're hearing um, things but we're going to soldier on and just continue to do this because, you know, what the hell? It's our podcast, and we're trying to figure out technology. That's um, right. So to follow up on a few things from last week, we had a couple more thoughts on Pegasus. And I think when we were discussing it, we had mentioned that we weren't actually sure if Pegasus uh, that Riker mentions in the Enterprise finale was an, a, a real TNG episode, and it turns out it was a real TNG episode. And um, I had to go find the description of it to figure out what the hell had happened in that particular TNG episode. And because we are who we are, we don't go to the official TNG episode guides. No. What we do is we go and we look at Sunbeam's TNG episode guide. And um, Big Miss Sunbeam is a famous... TNG fan fiction author. She writes the most amazing stuff. And um, several years ago, she had written an entire episode guide to every single episode of TNG. And, and I, trust I, me, this sorry. is really re the, what she wrote was amazing and totally entertaining to someone like me who saw the TNG episodes like once each. So I didn't remember most of them, but boy, you don't have to to enjoy that. Oh, I, I've read it through so many times. I've taken it with me on the road because it's so amusing. Um, she did say in her acknowledgments that she was inspired by some episode guides to TOS that I had done a long, long time ago. So that was awfully sweet of her. So I found the one for Pegasus, and I wanted to read it because it was hilarious. And the one thing about Sunbeam's episode guide that you need to bear in mind is that a lot of it is centered around um, the relationship of the characters to each other, specifically who's fucking who. And a lot of it is very slashy, very homoerotic, which makes it all that much more fun. So here's what she has to say about Pegasus, which was episode 163 in season 7. 
Oh, season seven. Wow. Yeah, okay. I didn't realize it was that late in the run, but there. I didn't even realize it existed. So you know, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, it says this other bald guy who ra- outranks our bald guy comes on board and hangs around Riker in a slashy dom way and making all kinds of insinuations. Listen, the guy also claims that he has a wife, in quotes. Oh, I'm so (laughs) sure. Hey, did anybody see Waiting for Guffman? Remember Corky's wife? Ha ha. (laughs) Lots of pseudo-butch seething over Riker's charms and pulling rank ensues. Then they all get caught in a styrofoam asteroid and have to use an illicit cloaking device to get out. See, all these years Riker had been in on the earliest Starfleet use of a cloaking device, but he didn't know it until he read this week's script. <laughs> and there's more <laughs> Isn't that great. And there's more Butch Seething and Jean Luc and Riker hang around in the brig again in a slashy manner. This ep <laughs> takes its slash worthy Mary Rinaldi title from the name of the starship the other bald guy drove. <laughs> and that's it. That's the whole that's it. Well that says it all. And that certainly made it worth working into the finale of oh, Enterprise. Absolutely. Totally. Oh dear. Well, the other thing we wanted to talk about to pick up a thread from last week when we talked about Enterprise, we did rant a little bit about how incredibly bad Jolene Blaylock was playing a Vulcan. And uh, since neither of us really watched the show, we didn't know if this was, you know, her typical thing, if she was always that bad or if she did have some better moments. And I went to a website called Television Without Pity. And uh, they do recaps of shows. And from what I've seen, the ones I've read, they're all pretty snarky and funny. They usually go on way too long. They recap in much too much detail for my taste. But still, they're, they're pretty funny if you like snarky stuff, which I do. And here's what they had to say about T'Pol. And I found this really interesting. It says, it's, you know, recapping in the middle somewhere. T'Pol bitches in a very un like tones about the Shran detour they are wasting their time with. All of Jolene's deliveries in this episode are a bit off. She's not exactly crack-whoring them, but she's doing something weird. I've been told that she was so angry about this finale that her delivery is a form of protest, and many of her lines had to be ADR'd after the fact. She sort of delivers like she's drunk. Good for you, Jolene! Maybe she was drunk. Maybe she was drunk. But, you know, I got to thinking about it, and I mean, you know, that is a funny idea. The script is so bad, I'm going to deliberately turn in a really lousy performance. But then when you, you start to to think about it, I can't help thinking, my God, how unprofessional of her. And then, of course, you know, because we are here ostensibly to talk about William Shatner and his butt, I'd just like to get back to him or mention him at least for the first time in this show and, and uh, mention all those stories there. And, and Nimoy has told this about um, what Shatner's attitude was when they were filming the episodes of TOS and some weeks they'd get an absolutely terrible script and everybody would be sitting around with their head in their hands going, oh my God, what are we going to do with this? And Bill's attitude always was, well, this is the script we've got. We're going to do the best job we can do. And really when you think about it, there's, there's some stuff in track that, you know, gets through or gets past us or at least... It, becomes acceptable because of the commitment the actors bring to it. So I, I, I got a big kick out of this thing on television without pity, but if that is true, I have to say my opinion of Jolene has actually sunk a little lower. If that was even possible. <laughs> well, anything is possible. 
Spock no. said there are always possibilities. That's true. You know, it, it's very true what you say about Shatner. And, you know, it's always better to see an actor overact within his character than to not act at all or to act like someone else while still playing that same character. Right. And that's clearly what she was doing. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take even the, the overacting as Kirk because it's so much more entertaining. So, having gone through all that, the next thing we have is our discussion of Invasion Iowa, um, which we're going to go to in a minute after a quick commercial break. And um, Invasion Iowa was on the Spike TV channel a while ago. I'm not sure if they're planning on rerunning it, but I suspect that it will be out on DVD at some point. So, if you didn't see it, you'll probably get a chance to see it again. So, let's take a quick break. And it's being rerun or something. Is it? Okay. They should be it might because be. it's great. Yeah. Oh, one other thing from last week, though. My little rant on George Takei. Interestingly enough, very soon after that, a petition showed up to get George Takei to shut up. And so if any of you want to go sign it, and I think I was like the second person to sign, the website is www.petitiononline.com slash gtsu1701 slash petition.html. So if you also would like to, you know, just grab George Takei and say in your your snootiest British fashion, oh, do shut up. (laughs) I encourage you to go there. That's actually linked from uh, our website at Blogspot. Look at his.blogspot.com. Yes, it is. Okay, cool. I think I was number three to sign it. (laughs) I had. Did you sign your real name? (laughs) This is my real name. What do you mean? Well, that's what I'm meaning. I signed it as Jungle Kitty. Well, yeah, everybody should sign it. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be back with Invasion Iowa in a minute. Okay. To boldly go where no man has gone before. No, not a real commercial. This is just to tell you that you can find us at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com where you can leave us messages, you can leave us suggestions, or you can send us email. This whole podcast was recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. The sound effects were the best, the animals. We are talking, of course, about (laughs) Invasion Iowa, which we just finished watching and uh, wanted to capture our thoughts, (laughs) such as they are. Such as they are. So for those of you who hadn't seen it, um, because it'll probably be on again. And again, and again, and again. again. Um, Invasion Iowa was a reality show done by William Shatner that... um, he did for Spike TV, and um, he pretended that he was shooting a really, really, really bad science fiction movie in Riverside, Iowa, which was is supposed to be the birthplace of Captain Kirk. And they, we found out and remembered midway through, host a festival every year called Trek Fest, and for years they have invited William Shatner to come, and he never did. So they were, you know, thrilled to have him come there and make this 
this movie. This movie, this terrible movie. And he held get him and a, a company of actors playing the parts of other actors in the movie, the producer, people on on the staff. Um, they auditioned local townspeople. They cast some of them. They gave them jobs as personal assistants and cue card people and everything. And and so this was a about five hours, I think, total yeah. four or five hours. Yeah. And um, it's it's the type of thing that could have could have gone very very badly. And I was frankly worried watching it at the beginning because if this was to be a mockery of these people who were being fooled, then it was just going to be very petty and cruel. And I think they were really smart in that they made all of the Hollywood people, their their characters were jerks. All of them were, were self-centered jerks with, with very stupid visions, very stupid ideas. And the townspeople were so welcoming of them and so willing to go along with this, but not in a we're so stupid we don't know better way, but in the way of, well, you're not the same as us, but welcome and have a cup of coffee. And... Uh, they were delightful. They were great. The townspeople were really the stars, and I think that's how they wanted it to turn out. Um, they were they were great. All of them were just great. And uh, the people who had the acting parts, you know, they gave their all, and they, yep. they tried to act and with the horrible lines that they were given in the ridiculous situations. And um, Shatner was acting up a storm. Oh, my God. He was, he doing... was so far gone. Um, I think my favorite townsperson was Jim Pickering. He was great. Who was the product placement guy. And this, they had told him, I think, from what I got, that it was very important to have product placement. And so, although he was not actually a character in the movie they were making, he just kept showing up and talking about Priceline and Justerman hair color and every every product he could get his hand on. And he was so good at it. He did it at such opportune times. He was delightful. And doing more than one at a time. So he would show up with... Um, a, a Priceline T-shirt and mm-hmm. a cigar in his mouth, carrying a can of Brill yeah. cream and whatever, and getting other great. people to do it. You know, he was he was wonderful. He was excellent, and they all had such a lot of energy and enthusiasm for what they were doing, despite the fact that they were clearly thinking that the Hollywood people were all completely insane, mm-hmm. which was really really good. And and I have to say, a, r- a real favorite segment <laughs> I think of both of ours was when the leading lady, who's an idiot, and her name is Brooke. Um, was writing a children's book about oh, no, no. Brooke, Coco Brooke, the Penguin. Brooke was the, the actual townsperson. Oh, you're right. So let's not confuse her with That's the, right. the very dippy leading lady. Griffin. Oh, Griffin. Griffin. Okay. Yes, Griffin was the idiotic leading lady who was writing a children's book about Popo the Penguin. Right. And Popo was a cross between Barney and Barbie. Right. A very right. shallow penguin. Because she had <laughs> small wings. And, and she wanted bigger wings. And the women of the town gave her some very gentle input into how to improve her story, which she completely misunderstood. Yeah, so, so instead of getting bigger wings, which the boys would have liked, she was happy with her small wings and ended up with a girl penguin. Yes, and they lived together with seven, seven cats, cats. In their igloo. In their igloo with their toys. With their toys. <laughs> their rocket-shaped toys. Vibrating rockets. Vibrating rocket-shaped <laughs> toys. It was very, very funny. So that was really pretty good, um, and it was long. Five hours was long, and we couldn't watch it in one sitting, even if we had wanted to. And I'm sure they'll be playing it. The only bad part was having to watch it <clears throat> on Spike TV and seeing all the commercials for wrestling and punching. Some and bad show too. Bad comedy show, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I, w- I want to talk a little 
too, about um, something we paused in the middle to talk a little bit about, oh, which yeah. was sort of the moral issue behind this whole thing of that they were playing this this joke on the people. And there were a couple things, and, and one scene really crystallized it for me. They had this beautiful old church in town, and they kept going to the, the priest, Father Rich, and they wanted to film a, a wedding scene there. He was cool with that. That was fine. And wouldn't it be great if they could break one of the stained glass windows? And he w- he was great. You know, no, you can't, you can't do that. And they kept coming back to him and coming back to him. And finally it got to the point, I wanted him to punch the <laughs> actor who w- who was doing this. And, of course, he never did give in, no matter how they pressured him. You know, kudos to you, Father Rich. But what occurred to me is what was their contingency plan if he had said, um, okay, you can break one of our windows? Would they have done that? Because that's that, to me, would have been beyond the pale. Yeah. Would um, I agree. I, I'm sure they couldn't have done it. They would have found – they probably did have a contingency plan, like it – they couldn't have gotten the insurance coverage for it. I mean, they would have come Something. up with some reason, but I don't think that they would have done that. I mean, I was a little worried at the beginning because they had a, pl- a somewhat of a subplot where Griffin, the dippy leading lady, was supposed to be a kleptomaniac. That's right, and that disappeared. And they had set up a scene where Shatner goes to this little convenience store and says, look, she's a kleptomaniac and we can't afford to not let her do this, so I'm just going to give you 50 bucks, and you let her steal whatever she wants to. And they did it. And that was pretty amazing that they actually went through with it and that the uh, the store owner said it was okay. And I suppose since they gave them money, it wasn't like they were just letting her steal for nothing. But right. that was still, that was pretty edgy. And I think the emotions at the end, of course from the townspeople, you knew they were genuine, but I think the emotions from the actors were yeah. very, very genuine. They were there for a total of ten days, apparently, doing this filming, and really, really did get to know these people. And I think they were totally sincere when they were saying, "Yeah, I felt guilty about this, and I've been worried about what the reaction was going to be." But this town um, is an incredible bunch of of good sports, and uh, and. We're, th- we're thrilled, of course, with the, the gifts that were given them, mm-hmm. and I like to think that the gifts were not a buy-off, you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever, but were, were sincerely meant. Yeah, the thing about the gifts, so um, they showed some of it, and they basically gave them checks, I mm-hmm. think, to use right. for specific purposes, because each person in the town had talked about what they wanted to do, their dreams, or mm-hmm. things that they had never been able to, so they were given unspecified amounts of money to do that, and... As we were watching that, I was just thinking that, you know, same world, different planets, because the things that they wanted were so not special to most people. I mean, Mm -hmm. even to me, these people, the one guy was saying that he had dreamt of going to Hawaii for his whole life, and he just, you know, had never been able to do it for whatever reason, because he didn't have the money, and... For most people, I think, people in California, taking a trip to Hawaii is like something you do on the spur of the moment. Right. It's not a big deal. And yet, for him to be able to go was clearly the realization of some lifelong dream that he mm-hmm. had had. And, you know, that's interesting to and see that. There's also a, a really funny and really touching, touching part where there's this old man in the cafe that Shatner has coffee with in the mornings. And his name is Coon. His nickname is Coon because he <laughs> carries a dried-up old bone or whatever that he says is a raccoon penis, and he'll knock you on the head with it for luck. But um, he later, 
feels a lot of friendship, I think, towards Shatner and takes him out to his wife's grave. And it's it's a very touching scene, and you know, and you can see both of them are are are, are very emotional about it because he he's speaking to his dead wife, saying, "You're never going to guess who I've brought to visit you," and it's it's really something to see. And I'm glad they kept that in, but I'm they didn't they didn't cheapen it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a snicker snicker. Look at this old man, you know, talking to the grave. It was it was really nice. It was. And the other great performance that must 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 be acknowledged. <laughs> is the guy on the cell phone. They kept getting cell phone calls from other celebrities. And it was one guy doing the voices of Sean Connery and Morgan Freeman, who I'd never heard anybody do before in my life, and um, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. And they were, he was, he was incredible. He was great. He was really, really, really good. Um, and you only ever heard him on the telephone, and, and there were camera shots of this, guy just sitting in a studio somewhere talking on a cell phone mm-hmm. doing all these different voices and everybody completely fell for that which is good it, it was a lot of fun and and i know that sometimes uh bill's humor gets very weird and this had the potential to certainly be a five-hour very cruel joke mm-hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't that way at all it was a lot of fun. We laughed a lot. It was good. And, of course, they had to end it by showing the horrible film that they made, <laughs> which was really, really bad. It was, what, ten minutes long? I think so. And it was just awful. It was as awful as you thought it would be. And it, what was really nice, and does show that these townspeople were not at all stupid, was um, when they were told it was a joke, when they were asking a lot of them their reactions, a couple of them said, well, I'm glad to hear it's not a real movie because this was bad. This script is so stupid. I'm, I'm glad I'm not in it. Or I, I, the, the leading lady said, I almost quit after the first day because it was so stupid. So, you know, they were they were on to this to some extent. And they were. Oh, that was fun. funny. It was very funny. It was good. And, and they did end it. The last shot that they have over the credits is Shatner blabbing on about... <laughs> Some damn thing with energy and taekwondo. It's <laughs> just such a crock. Made him look just as stupid as he could possibly look. It, it, as so that stupid was good. as he could be. Yes, and he's carrying the Emmy around the whole the time. The whole time, his actual Emmy. For it was a lot of fun. It was great. So um, to conclude this review, we really liked it. And uh, big love bomb at you, JK. Yeah, big love love, love bomb at you, disintegrate <laughs> Trixie Something. 3000. <laughs> So the next thing that I wanted to talk about was in relation to the world of podcasts. Um, In looking around, I see that there are very few podcasts solely devoted to Star Trek. And I can't imagine why that is. I thought that every third one would be about Star Trek. But they've got to be, like, somewhere secret because the whole Internet is fueled by Star Trek. Of course. I mean, that's what made it take off in the first place. Yeah. So why not? Was the need for Trekkies to to talk about Trek as much as possible and to feel like we're cool doing it because we're using technology. Yeah. So, hey, we're doing our part. Look at us. We are. Talking about William Shatner's butt. So um, one of the podcasts that I actually do listen to and enjoy is called Michael and Evo's Slice of Sci-Fi. 
and these are two guys who live in Arizona who do uh, actually three or four different things. Some are about printed science fiction, some are um, more generally about science fiction, and this particular one um, is supposed to be Trek-focused, and they had started it as an adjunct to the movement that was underway to try to save Enterprise when news of the cancellation happened. So there's something called Trek United, and people were trying to raise money and convince Paramount not to cancel it. And then, of course, it was canceled. So they started <laughs> to devote this to other things. And it's a good show. I really enjoy it. There's one part about it that I really hate. Um, and I'm going to play a clip right now, which illustrates the thing that I hate. And um, it's a commercial that they have to try and encourage people to vote for their show on Podcast Alley so that they can be listed in the top. So um, let me just play it. It's a free plug now for Michael and Evo. And then I'll tell you why I hate it. Is this thing on? Okay, and I just talk, right? Okay. Hi, I'm Victoria. I'm a Pisces who likes long walks on the beach, candlelit dinners, and watching reruns of the original series of Star Trek. And every month, I cast my vote for Michael and Evo at Podcast Alley. Don't you want to vote, too? For me? I'll make it worth your while. So I have only one thing to say about this, and that's, <laughs> Victoria, bite me. <laughs> well, that was you a know, short rant. Thank you. <laughs> I find it really offensive that they have to use this this sultry-sounding woman in her in her very sexy voice. The first part of it is fine. You know, I, I like Michael and Evo, so go vote for it. But then at the end, she has to say, I'll make it worth your while. <laughs> Like, this woman is going to come to your house and give you a blowjob personally because you <laughs> went and voted for Michael and Evo's slice of sci-fi. Okay, that's hey, not we don't happen. know. We don't know what make it worth your while means, you know. <laughs> she, she could be giving out Michael and Evo blowjobs or something. I just don't think that's going to happen, and I think it's irresponsible <laughs> of them to promise that. <laughs> that this woman is going to come out and, and blow you because you voted for them. And plus, okay. what about me? I don't want her I to just come have, to my house. I just have to point out, being devil's advocate here, <laughs> we are like 45 minutes between us of podcasting experience, so I think we are a little new boat to talk about podcasting standards and, you know, get on our FCC horse. <laughs> Well, in any about case, Michael and Evo offering blowjobs <laughs> that they have no intent of delivering. <laughs> it's just false advertising. So anyway, I don't want Victoria <laughs> to come to my house because okay. I'm, just, I'm not interested. So she, I, she can only come to my house if she's willing to walk the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, that Victoria should just go away. And if we're going to have a commercial like that, it's going to be William Shatner saying, I'll make it worth your while, but he's actually I don't want him be... to make it worth anyone's while but mine. If well, Bill wanted to make it worth my while to do podcasts, he is welcome anytime. That's right. Anytime. So, but, but nobody else, just me and you. You first and then me. Okay, so that's my rant about Victoria. Go listen to Michael and Evo. They're really funny, but tell them how much you hate Victoria. Okay. <laughs> and now we want to introduce a new segment on our show. And that is the segment where we talk about something that, that's very dear to our hearts, and that is EVE. And for those of you who don't know, that is a medical term, a medical acronym, <laughs> that stands for 
extremely visible erection. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I was never watching Star Trek for the uh, the the uh, starship to see the Enterprise to to ponder their their use of technology, the philosophy, all those things. Yeah, they were nice, 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 but. It was that very, very visible erection that Shatner was nice enough to put into almost every episode and probably almost every guest star um, that I really appreciate. And uh, we're going to make it our job to sort of point these out because amazingly enough, some people haven't noticed them. And I say, you know, get yourself a better TV. You don't even need the DVDs. I mean, we, we're seeing them on these crappy old videotapes when we watch them. But... Um, it, and that's part of what makes it fun to rewatch these after many years is to to go, oh, my God, I, I missed that one. I didn't see that one. So the ones we want to point out uh, today are in the episode The Paradise Syndrome. And for those of you who don't know all the titles, and I confess I get them mixed up because so many of them are so similar. But this is the one where they beam down to the planet and Kirk gets hit um, on the, the head and falls into a hole where he gets his brain beamed, basically, so he forgets who he is. And when he comes up, there's a whole bunch of Indians, American-type Indians, like Cherokee or something, worshipping him as a god named Kirok. As and well they should. To this, what? As well they should worship As well they should. <laughs> and he ends up married to this beautiful Indian girl named Miramani, one of my favorite guest stars in this. But if you will notice, when they first beam down to the planet and he and uh, McCoy and Spock are wandering around in the woods and talking about how lovely it is and how pleasant it is, he is showing in just every single shot. It is amazing the the outline, the prominence there. I mean, this is a guy who is really glad to be off the ship, even if he has to hang out with these two other guys. And yeah, lo and behold, he, he finds this gorgeous woman, incidentally played by an actress who I believe did not like William Shatner a bit, because every time he kisses her, she turns her head. Mm -hmm. So I think she had to be, you know, a little crazy, but still... Watch at least the beginning of that and, and see what I'm talking about because yeah, yeah don't uh, sit too close to the TV though because it could poke your eye out and it, I want to warn you about it's that. It's true. Um, I was impressed with that scene too because it is filmed outside so there's a lot of natural lighting and sometimes that's not so good for seeing these things. The studio lighting was much better because it was high contrast. Right. Um, but yeah, there it is. And I think we actually did some screen caps of that at some point, didn't we? Yeah, um, I think you sent me some that you had, had done. Yeah. So maybe we could put those up at the at blogspot at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Yeah, so, so you can look at his EVE, too, which is, you know, the flip side of the butt, and both certainly worth our attention. Mm -hmm. The other kind of fun thing in that episode is in the scene where he and Miramani are, are by the lake and playing, catch me, catch me, at one point. <laughs> this is big close-up where he's talking to her, you know, in that earnest romantic way that just melts me. But there's a fly crawling across <laughs> his face and buzzing around him, and every time I see it, I think there's a fly on my television set. And he just keeps That's how clear away. and sharp this is. It's amazing. Uh, the other thing to look for in that episode are um, his great big sideburns, which I like too. Yes. 
Yes, and, and you know, I know uh, it's amazing to me. A lot of people hate that episode, you know, and certainly there are, are moments that give me a snicker, like, I'm so happy, you know, I think he's going to burst into song at that point. But it's interesting, too, to me that a lot of Kirk fans absolutely hate that episode because of not even the implication, I mean, it, it's pretty much stated flat out that he has some regrets over the life he has chosen mm -hmm. that make it impossible for him to have this other life of wife and home and child and those type of comforts. Now, to me, that's a really interesting aspect of his character in that it deepens the whole thing, and I've certainly run with that idea in some of my fanfic, mm -hmm. but I was just really surprised um, to, to get the feedback. I did not negative like what John D. Lee Howe has to say, but, you know, from people who write to me, who've actually put some some thought into it, saying, you know, I like this story, I didn't like this story, but that's an aspect of Kirk I just can't accept. I hate that episode, I never watch it, but maybe they will watch it now that they know there's some big giant EBEs. Yeah, always a good reason to watch. So uh, Always. We'll keep a running list of those sorts of things. Y you know, pretty much every Trek episode, there's some beautiful basket shots where you can just see everything outlined. Oh, my God, yes. And... Um, and Shatner dresses to the left. We should say that now. Oh, yeah, that's important to point out. And um, and uh, Nimoy and Kelly dress to the right. Right, right. So just so you know, it's important. Yeah, well, and I think it's important that we have this discussion now because in our last show we told you we're not going to talk about this, we're not going to talk about that. Well, here's what we really are going to talk mm -hmm. about is, you know, Shatner's thought, EVEs, um, that's pretty much our, our the basis of our whole friendship, really. <laughs> Is this shared passion? <laughs> that's true. And and who Kirk was fucking? Because yes. that's yeah. just, you know, it's a given. Yep. <sighs> I don't so think he got note. anywhere with the Miramani actress though. Yeah, she was the the one, the only one. Yeah. <sighs> so I think that's it. We'll end on that happy note, thinking about EVEs. And yes. um, we'll we'll be back next time with more interesting trivia like this. And I think next time um, we're going to talk about Will Wheaton a little bit because I have a lot to say about him. And maybe about his butt, too. I don't know. We'll see. I've never looked at Will Wheaton's butt. Well, I'll try and find a picture of it. We'll post it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me if I can't jack the enthusiasm <laughs> up on Will Wheaton's butt, but... We'll see. Uh, all right. Thank you, millions of listeners. We appreciate it. And we'll see you uh, right. same same time, same channel next week. And remember, in the meantime, look at his butt. But, yay. <laughs>